Did anybody have a hard time getting up this morning with the dreary weather? No? Getting here is another story? Yeah, well, I'm glad you're here. Glad you're here. All right, how's the volume on this? Can you guys back there, Jill, Marilyn, can you guys hear me? All right, so can we give our sponsors a hand? Can we give them a hand this morning? Guys, you know, Kelly and Marilyn and Jill back there, and then Jake and Danielle and Kim on our team, and they get here early, they get set up, they bring relevant information. They, you know, I was talking to Jill yesterday, and her team put together a marketing piece, uh, educational slash marketing piece for today that, you know, really kind of exemplifies what active uh, aging looks like. And I just am always so, so impressed when the sponsors are asking me a month in advance, Caitlin and Kelly and them were like, okay, what do you need from us to make sure that this month is great, right? And I just, I just want to say thank you to you guys for not just being here, but being partners in what we do and really um, taking this very seriously because what we do is important, yeah? Awesome. Thank you guys very much. Yeah. Um, you all, you know, I, I get lots of kudos. You guys are always telling me thank you and how much you appreciate these. And um, please know that um, we, we appreciate you equally. Like, the feedback you give us and the information that you give us helps us be better. So please keep doing that, right? Now, today, when you leave, uh, if you haven't already, make sure you buy the sponsor tables and just say thank you even if you don't pick something up just say hey thank you and put a name with a face because I'm going to tell you guys during this pandemic um, a lot of people quit doing seminars altogether did you guys notice that a lot of people just quit doing events yeah and uh, you know we went to our sponsors and asked them what they thought you know should we stop or should we do it virtual or should we what should we do and it was unanimous they all said we need to make sure that we provide a space where people can come, where they feel safe, and what they need. And so they didn't want to bail at all. They said, what do we need to do to make it work? And so, again, just, uh, it just validates to me the partnerships that we have. So thank you guys one more time. Much appreciation for you. Okay, so uh, today's topic um, we're going to be covering is the truth about senior living options, staying active and independent. Uh, how many of you have heard this topic before from the Senior Living Truth Series? Raise your hand. All right, a few. Some of you have graduated. I said this morning uh, the Frazies are here, uh, they, and they've moved and are settled in out at Bradford Village, and uh, the Claires have moved and are settled in out at Concordia, and Bill comes every month whether he needs the topic or not just because he misses us. He moved out to Concordia. We've got, we've just, and, and there are people in various different stages of relocating. There are people who are to relocate who are going to they just are coming because they're getting information we're glad for that um, and this today for some reason I struggled with it I've delivered it like 20 times in various different formats but there was something have you ever watched one of those tv shows uh, movies where they're in a submarine and the guy who's getting messages from land is getting Morse code, and it's going beep, 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 beep. And he's going, I'm not sure what they're saying. And he's like, oh, this is what they're saying. You guys see those shows, right? What's that guy called? He's got a name. He, he's got a title. I forget. But anyway, whole, and what I kept hearing all week long was this beep, 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 
beep, Nikki, this is what you need to deliver. Beep, 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 beep. And I'm like, I don't know Morse code. <laughs> and so even this morning I was struggling. But um, so real quick story before we dive into the content today. Um, so I'm teaching a class at UCO. Um, and where's Jerry? Jerry, you here? Jerry, I'm going to pick on you again. It's coming up on the 22nd. They're going to be uh, naming the uh, softball field at UCO after our very own Jerry Pinkston. Yay! <laughs> yeah, so they're going to be doing the uh, ceremony, uh, that's going to be awesome, and so I'm teaching this class, it's general psychology, mostly freshmen, there's a couple of sophomores and maybe a junior in there, but mostly 18, 19 year old young people, uh, a few 17 year olds actually that are concurrent students that are in high school, but they're taking this class for college credit, so and I stood there the first day of class, not having taught young people at that age in so long, right? I'm used to dealing with retired people, right? People who know way more than I know. And I'm standing there in front of this room of 17, 18, 19 year olds, and I'm thinking, oh crap, they don't know anything, <laughs> right? I mean, seriously, it was that moment where I thought, I'm on the hook here. Like, what they learn from me is important. It's like, this is new information, and if I don't do a good job, then, and I thought, oh, maybe this is not my audience. <laughs> At least you guys have discernment, right? Like, you know whether to listen to me or not. They don't know, and, and I thought, you know what? Okay, so I did, a, I did a little moment of reflection, as I do regularly before each class, and I said, you know, it is not my job to teach them everything they need to know. It is not my job to provide them with all of life's secrets <laughs> or wisdom, thankfully, because I don't have it all. Um, it's my job to create a space for them to learn and to take away whatever information is that they need to make hopefully informed, educated decisions for themselves, right? And so I told them this, and I, and I shared that with them at the first class. They have no idea what that really means, um, but that's okay. And then I, I thought, okay, so every time I teach uh, a, a section, and it's been, this is the eighth week, we're on fall break week this week, and every time I teach a section, I think to myself, okay, what piece of this section can I teach? Because it's, I mean, you think general psychology, right? You're taking all of psychology and breaking it down into 14 weeks of material, and teaching all of psychology in 14 weeks. That's what really general psychology is. And I'm like, I'd really like to teach an hard, right? Figuring out what piece. So as I was getting out of my car this morning, I thought to myself, this is the same thing, right? You guys are, first of all, you're learning things that you've never experienced before. Can we agree on that? Right? You're newbies. You're, you're freshmen at this. And it's a big topic. It's a huge topic. And my job is to come in here once a month and teach a piece of it, right, that will hopefully help you make informed decisions. And so it's really, congratulations, you guys are all back to being freshmen. How does that feel? <laughs> right? Some of you are sophomores. There's a few seniors in here that have graduated, uh, and they're still coming to class. I love it. All right, good deal. It's funny how life parallels, right? There's lots of correlations that we can draw. Just three, Paul. Three, yeah. And you're going to need, how many do you need to graduate, those of you educators in the room? 
You never really graduate, right? We'll let you know, Paul, when you're done. <laughs> and oh, that's right. I'm sorry. This is a free class, so there's there's no credit. If you know, so we're gonna need to negotiate a fee if you want credit for the class. All right, good. Okay. Well, I will happy to match that rate for you. All right. Yeah. All right. Good deal. So on your tables, you have a couple of handouts. Uh, there's a handout with a, uh, a continuum of care list on it, colors. That, that'd be the one I'm going to refer to first. And then you also have a handout that is just a list, a, a directory, if you will, a description of different types of senior living options. And we've given that to you before, those of you who have been here and, and heard the topic. It has been modified slightly, uh, not a lot. So if you were to go home and say, oh, I already have this, take the old one and throw it away and put the new one in its place because there are some changes uh, to it, just minor ones that I've made. And uh, as, as things evolve... And I will say, too, things have evolved, and I'll talk about that as we go through this continuum, because when Chris and I started helping people downsize in about 1999 to 2000, it was very different. Most of the clients that we moved were moving out of a house they lived in for a very long time into assisted living. And when I say assisted living, I mean truly assisted living, like um, mansions at Waterford, right, or Jefferson's Garden. Not independent living, not senior living communities, but assisted living, meaning licensed nursing care. And since then, it's, it's interesting, here we are, you know, two decades later, and the majority of our clients are moving into independent living, senior living options, okay? Whether it's like at one of our CCRCs that has an independent portion of the, the campus, or if it's a standalone independent living. Here's an interesting note, though, you ready? Same age. Same age. So before, we were moving people that were, generally speaking, late 70s to early and mid-80s from their house into assisted living. Now those, that same age group of individual is moving into independent living. I want to talk about why I think that is and what some of the evolution of that is as we go through some of the slides, okay? So independent living interdependent living and dependent living. These are my words. Um, I was trying to figure out a way to describe the differences between the types of living options. And today we're talking about living independently and active, right? How to do that. Not just about housing, but about a lifestyle, really. And next month we're going to be talking more about the dependent types of living arrangements, which are assisted living and uh, in-home care options. And we're going to go into those next month. But for purposes of today, I wanted to start out with, you know, where you live now. Most of you live in your own home that you've lived in for a long time, or maybe you built or bought as your forever home at some point, right? You downsized, and now you're in another either single-family home or condo or cottage or patio home, whatever the case may be. And that house is yours. Um, it's all, everything about it is yours. When the air conditioner goes out, it's yours, when the yard needs to be mowed, it's yours. When the tax bill comes, it's also yours, right? All of those things are your responsibility, yeah? That's what, at the very beginning of the list, that's like the true meaning of independent. That's kind of what we all wanted when we got out of our parents' house, right? We all wanted that. What the heck were we thinking? 
right? Right? But that phase of life, that's what we do. We go from being dependent to being independent with usually a partner or a family or a group of friends, whatever the case may be. And then over time, people either go it alone or they do it in community with family or close friends, right? So with that comes all the responsibilities of being independent. Now, some people have chosen to continue that level of independence, but to downsize is what we're calling it these days, right? Into something more manageable. And usually that looks a lot like your own house with a few differences, meaning somebody's doing the yard for you, you're paying a fee, like a homeowner's or condo association fee, and somebody's taking care of the yard work, somebody's taking care of the trees that need to be taken out because of the storm, somebody's handling the roof if it needs to be replaced, right? All those things are being handled, yeah? I pulled up uh, on our street this week in our condo complex, and there was a, a big hole in the front of one of the condos, and you don't see that very often. Our place is pretty well maintained. You don't see a lot of construction stuff happening. Big hole, big uh, piles, mounds of dirt, and Chris is on, a, on one of the committees, and he said, well, i got to go home and check on those guys are there working on that uh, leak, right, Chris? A, uh, is it a sprinkler leak or a the city main? Oh, okay, great, yeah. Okay, so, you know, here's what hit me. I'm leaving, and I'm driving out onto May Avenue, and I'm thinking, you know, we moved into this place because we didn't want the hassle of any of that kind of stuff, and Chris joins a committee <laughs> to where he is still showing up to meet the tree guy and the plumber guy and the roof guy and the con guy, and I don't know how many guys there's been. <laughs> don't clap, Paul. I'm not giving him a... <laughs> but it occurred to me, and I'm just going to say it because it's on a lot of people's minds, and I don't think it gets talked about much, but when you think about the psychology of that, and it's not just men, it's women too, but I'm going to say more so men than women still need some level of responsibility in their life and something to take care of. Am I, am I accurate in saying that? Um, there's some part of the psyche of a male who was brought up to take care of the household. That was their job. It was to make sure things worked. It was to make sure things were maintained. It was to make sure that, you know, the home was well kept and all those things. And sometimes that's hard to give up. And so moving into a maintenance-free community is almost like a compromise, right? It's a compromise. It's, I still have some responsibility. I'm not giving it all up. I'm just going to give a little bit of it, the part that I don't like anymore so much, and I'm going to hang on to the other parts, okay? That's how you might look at that. Um, the women in the room are going, I just want to be done. I don't want to deal with that stuff anymore. I don't like meeting the tree guy. I don't like meeting the roof guy. I don't like meeting the plumber guy, right? How many of you, is that true? There may be a few women in the room that do. If, if so, raise your hand. If you're the anomaly in the room, you love that stuff, raise your hand. Not in this room, nope. Doesn't surprise me. It, it's again, it's a, it, we are not raised to be responsible for those things. What are women raised to be responsible for? The family, cooking, keeping, 
sure the house is clean. I can't tell you how many women, when Shannon or myself or Jake make an appointment to go see someone, and the woman of the house is the one making the appointment, she'll say, oh, well, I need to clean up before you come. I need to make either they've cleaned or the housekeeper's cleaned before we come. And I'm like, really? Like, don't worry about it. But we do, right? You do. You dust things off clean things up, you have the carpet shampooed or whatever it is, to whatever degree you do it, you do it before people come. And when you move to a 55 and older or maintenance-free community, do you still do those things, yes or no? Yes, of course you do, right? So you're really, women in this scenario are not getting a compromise. They're not getting a break, just so you know. So for the couples in the room who go, the men say, let's just move to a 55 and older community, where we don't have to handle the outside maintenance, and the women go, wait a minute, those guys don't come in and dust. <laughs> those guys don't come in and make the beds in the morning, and they certainly don't come in and make lunch for you when you get back from the golf game. You follow me? So couples in the room, sometimes there's that lack of conversation, but there's this sense of turmoil underneath. It's like, okay, 55 and older neighborhood sounds pretty good, but wait a minute, my job is going to be the same. The only difference is now I've got to unpack all that crap and get it put away and get resettled. That's not worth the hassle. But let's fast forward. Let's jump to the next section, okay? So those are the first two kind of options. Current house, where we live now, or something easier. Then there is what's we to as a CCRC. I know we have some new people in the room, so Continuing Care Retirement Community, CCRC, Continuing Care Retirement Community. I think on your list, it's the third one, right? Yeah, third one on your list. And this is kind of the, uh, this is kind of the, the next, what I consider, option for people who want easier both things, inside the house and outside the house. And still, have all the independence and all the things that you could possibly want to do, you can still do. Um, you just have options. So that's exactly what our, some of our education partners are. So Spanish Cove, Bradford Village, um, Concordia, and there are others that are not necessarily sponsors, but there are others. And so what they kind of offer is, okay, look, whether you're single or coupled, if you move to a CCRC, they have patio homes, they have cottages, they have apartments that you don't have to deal with the exterior maintenance. You don't have to. It's handled. And guess what? They also have people who will come in and help with housekeeping. And they have meals. Now, at the independent level, they don't necessarily offer three meals a day. Some might, but most don't. Most are one or two meals a day. And so for the women in the room who it's absolutely you are so sick and tired of having this conversation honey what's for dinner you look at your loved one and you say I don't know look at the menu <laughs> right that's how that conversation goes and Chris and I we've only been married uh, 20 uh, 20 few years and uh, and been together about that long and we're already sick of that conversation and by the way he helps cook and clean so it's not like I'm doing it myself it's just we're sick of having to make the decision about meals every day you guys feel that so what the CCRC communities have done is they've said we're gonna give people the option they can cook if they want they have a kitchen they can eat at the restaurant if they want they can do that or they can have the meal delivered to their house that's better than Uber 
and it's available. So when our friends Gene and Rick moved to uh, Dallas to the CCRC down there, um, I said to them, I said, what is the, how's the restaurant? Are you liking it? Well, they moved kind of in the pandemic and so their restaurant was not fully open it was kind of partially open and so what they were doing was they had a limited menu and they could go down and they could pick from the menu and then come down and either pick it up and take it to the room have it delivered or they could eat there and I said how's the food and they're like oh my gosh it's wonderful like you know we and we get too much that was her comment she says we get too much I said well what do you do she says I put it in a to-go container I take it back to the room I put it in the fridge and we have it for lunch the next day I said, great. I said, well, what do you cook? And she said, yogurt and fruit in the morning. <laughs> that's, her, that's the extent of her cooking. And she goes, and that's just because he wants it. I just soon have cereal, right? But they, they have the option. And so, and then, of course, a couple, three times a week, depending on uh, what's going on in their life, they go out with couples uh, that they've met there, and they have dinner out. So they'll go to a restaurant, which means now they have a bank of food that they haven't eaten at the community that they can then either eat later or like when we're there, they go, oh, well, we have a credit on our account because we ate out. Why don't you guys eat with us? And so they, we eat and it's on their account, kind of like eating here at the country club. We can't pay. It just goes on their account, right? So it's kind of nice. And so the other thing about it that I really think is interesting is that um, the exterior maintenance is completely handled. We've had a few couples that have moved to CCRCs. Take a hammer. Bill, did you take a hammer? Yeah, Terry, did you and Jan take a hammer? Yeah, that's really the extent of what you need. You need a hammer and a screwdriver and some scissors, of course, those kind of things. But for the most part, you don't need your chainsaw. Did you take a chainsaw? Not a chainsaw. A, 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 a what? handsaw okay just in case well you let me know when you use that <laughs> all right I want to know when you use that but there are you take a small toolbox because guess what when you have a problem what do you do you call the guy said the guy it might be a girl but most of the time it's a guy you call them right and they come so that's kind of how that works now I added to that middle section independent living full service independent living which should be on your handout I believe the second option yep the second one yep and there's a little difference and here's the main difference because I have people all the time say I'm not going to put an entry fee down I'm not going to live in a community that has that big fee they call it a big fee and that depending on who you are what big means to you it can feel like a really big fee or it can feel like you're reinvesting your equity from your house into your next house. So, but with full service independent livings, they don't have that entry fee. They're just an independent living community though, right? They don't have, uh, they have all the things the CCRC has except, except plan B. How many of you know what plan B is? For those of you who don't know, plan B is what happens if I no longer am independent? If I'm no longer independent, God forbid something happen, and I either develop a disease, have an accident, or just natural age progression causes me to not be able to care for myself, where will I live? CCRCs have that built in. It's already built in. You know exactly where you'll live in that same location, uh, probably a different apartment or a different unit, but on that same campus. In a full-service independent living community, that's all they have. So should you need something more later, you would need to relocate, okay? 
So plan B is not built in. Otherwise, it's a great option. They have all, all kinds of, again, food, housekeeping, transportation, all the things that someone might need or want that they don't want to have to deal with in their own house. And you have your own door with your own lock and your own key, and you can come and go whenever you darn well please. Enter COVID. All right, so here's the dilemma that we ran into during COVID. Every community handles this differently. Some communities locked down completely and said to people in their independent apartments, you can't leave. If you leave, you will quarantine when you come back. Okay. In the beginning, that was fine. I think everybody said, yeah, that makes total sense, right? But after a few months of that, there were people who were about to explode, right? Like, you, I am in this apartment with my spouse all day long. I am out of here, right? And yes, <laughs> amen, right? That, and that goes for men and women, too. There's no, I, I'm not giving a gender bias there. I think we all can agree that we all experience that to some degree. But so did people in their house, right? We were all in the same boat, so to speak. The difference being, in a community setting, there's more oversight, and people were really, really kind of insisting on it, right? Now, some communities didn't. Some communities more campus you had a door to your patio or whatever you could come and go at your discretion but they just asked that you not come into the community uh, common areas right does that make sense now at those communities they're still doing meals and guess what they were delivering those meals to your door so instead of person in their house like we were having to go get groceries enough for the week so that we can make meals and deal with that right these were people who were going hmm Let's see, what do I want for dinner tonight? I'm going to call down and tell them what I want, or I'm going to fill it out and put my menu under the door in the hall like you do at a hotel sometimes, and then they're going to bring it to me at this designated time span, and guess what? They had meals delivered to them, okay? So there was a convenience factor there. Um, now, I'll, you're going to hear everything about food that you can imagine hearing. I know I have. I'm sure you guys have. Some people went, oh, my God, the food was amazing, like, they went all out. Matter of fact, we got extra because they, they wanted to make sure we were taken care of. And then I have other communities who said the food was bland and not great and wasn't well-plated and all that. Across the board, right? So you have to ask. You have to ask lots of questions to find that out. But here's the thing. They, they got their food, and they had food available to them. They didn't have to go out. I know um, the, the communities that we have here, all of them did some really interesting things. Like, I know that they were taking orders from people and then their staff would go to the grocery store and get groceries for them and bring it back to them as part of the deal. Like, they didn't charge extra for it, they just did it. And a lot of communities were doing those kind of things. So it's kind of like living in a small town. And if you're from a small town, you either love that idea or hate it. Seriously, right? Because you don't know if you're going to like your neighbor or not and they may still be your neighbor, yeah? I'm from a small town, and I didn't like always people knowing my business, but you know what? When I was sick or had surgery or needed something or had a baby shower, guess what? They all showed up. Does that make sense? So there are trade-offs to everything. There are trade-offs to everything. So when we start talking about assisted living and memory care and long-term care next week, um, what you're going to hear is something a little bit different, and that is that you're going from what I consider to be independent, completely independent, which most, most all of you are now, 
to interdependent. So if you move to a community, regardless of the type of community you move to, if it's called an independent living community, I still consider that being an interdependent model, right? You're going to give and you're going to receive. They're going to give. And it's going to be you're going to work together to stay independent. Fair enough? So what is truly being independent? The definition of independent, what I'm hearing from people now that are retired, what does it mean to be independent? Not to be in a nursing home is what they'll usually tell me. I consider myself independent if I don't need long-term care. Isn't that interesting? Now, they may be in their house, and they can't leave, and they have 24-hour care, but in their mind, they are independent. Huh, right? Because somewhere along the way, we have equated living in our own home with being independent. But I will tell you, there are times that when I'm not well and I don't feel well, I am not independent. I am interdependent on my spouse, family, yeah? And when you're in a community setting, it's designed for interdependence. That's really what it's designed for. Now, long-term care, as I showed on that slide before, is not interdependent. It is dependent. In other words, you need them to survive. Does that make sense? Okay, when you move into long-term care or even assisted living, and I'm going to just touch on this. We'll deal with it more next month. But assisted living used to be what independent living is now. Let me explain. Assisted living originally was created for people who needed something that wasn't their own home, but wasn't nursing care. It was in the middle. It was they could still get around, they could still do things on their own, they could still handle their own affairs, but they needed a little help. They needed some meals provided. They maybe needed transportation because they had some problems that they couldn't drive anymore. But for the most part, they got up in the morning, they got dressed, they went down to have breakfast, they came back, they went and did their business, their personal affairs, they came back and took a class in the afternoon, they went to dinner, movie night that night, and then they went to bed, they got up the next day and did it all over again, right? Now, assisted living, for the most part, you guys, is what nursing care used to be. Assisted living is when you can't do those things anymore, and you need somebody to get up and come meet you at your room and help you put your socks and your shoes and your pants on, help you and then help you down to breakfast, and then help you get to wherever it is you're going the rest of the day before you go to bed at four. And I'm not exaggerating. Okay, this is, so does my husband. It, they, you know. Okay, so point being, guys, assisted living, when people say, I'm going to move when I need to, I'm going to stay until I have to move, where are they going to move to? Assisted living. People have this, I was having a conversation with somebody this morning about this. When you say to yourself, I'm going to stay until I can't live alone anymore, and then I'm going to move, and I'm going to move to an independent living community, and they'll name that community, and I'm like, no, you're not. Sorry. No, you're not. Because if you can't live at home with, with just a little bit of help, chances are they aren't going to let you live there either. You guys get my drift? So there's an illusion that people have that they're going to get to move wherever the heck they want to, 
when they need it, and that is just not accurate. And I can tell you right now, Jill and Caitlin and her team and Kelly and their team, they agonize over this every day when people come into the community and they go, I'm ready. I'm ready to move in. And they go, you don't qualify anymore because you need more help than we can give you at that level. Now you need assisted living. And they go, I don't want to. And those apartments are too little, and there's a bunch of old people over there. <laughs> and they're looking at this person going, uh-huh. And I know they can't do this, but I think in, if it were me sitting in their shoes, I'd want to hold up a mirror. Because that's where they are now. Does that make sense? But do you know, I've said this before, we all think that we're 17 years younger than we actually are. Study show. We think we're 17 years younger than we actually are, and we actually think we're healthier than we actually are. Okay, I don't need to get into that today. We've talked about that a lot. All right, so I'm going to give you a few truths because this is the truth series. Right? So let me drop a few truths on you, and then we're going to look at some pictures that are kind of fun. So the longer we remain active and healthy, the less likely we will require extended stays in long-term care. Fair statement? Yeah, so active and healthy, active and healthy. But this is a quote from Dawn that was in one of Jill's recent publications, and I thought it was, I excerpted it uh, It's part of a quote. Vital living is not often restricted by age or ability, but rather mindset. Isn't that true, right? How we approach life and how we see things is often whether or not we're living vitally or not. There's a guy that is, uh, what is, I can't ever remember his last name, Chris, Nick, uh, huh, Vorchek or something like that? Yeah, uh, and he goes by no arms, no legs, Nick. He's a motivational speaker. He literally has no arms and no legs. He was born that way. He has a flipper. It's like a partial foot. And he sits on the trunk of his body, like here, on a table with this little flipper. He calls it a flipper. And he can move like this with his little flipper. But he has no arms. He has no legs. And he is amazing. He's funny. As a matter of fact, he tells a story. He said one time, he said when he was traveling uh, around the country, you know, doing it, events, he talked one of the flight attendants to, into putting him in the baggage department above the baggage compartment above the seats and when his team came on they opened it up to put their bag in and he went <laughs> he goes I thought it was funny he recently in the last few years got married and as I understood it they were having a child I don't know I'm assuming that has happened I don't remember how, how long ago that was so guys is he living vitally yes or no does he have every reason in the world to have not? Right? Yet here he is, and he attributes a lot of that, obviously, to his family. So we, we have a choice, is my point in this, right? So what keeps people from doing this? What keeps them from living vitally? I'm going to talk about these. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to read the list, and then we're going to talk about a few, and then we'll go back to the list. But So here's what we see, and here's what the research shows and we all know it, so you don't even need researchers to validate it, but who you surround yourself has an impact on how you live, yes? If you live around a bunch of 
people that don't do anything or just sitting around or have negative attitudes, that's kind of how your life looks. Personal attitude, your outlook on life. Bad habits or lack of healthy habits. So people, some people have bad habits, but some people just don't have good habits. Does that make sense? Okay. And then complacency or lack of purpose. We see this a lot. A lot of people have retired, and they're struggling to find purpose. They're struggling to find some place that they can plug in, and so they're not living vitally. They're just kind of going along with things. Circumstances, of course, can, can have an impact on how we're living in the moment. Perception of a few years, rema- a few years remaining and where they live. Those last two I want to talk about. There's actually a study that... Uh, I. I thought it was really interesting. This came out after I did my dissertation. I wish it had been written before I did my dissertation. I want to say that I spurred him on. We'll see. But So Dr. Stephen Gallant, from, uh, he's a professor emeritus from Florida University, University of Florida, and he wrote an article. The title is The, Dis- the Distance to Death. Sorry, let me say it again. The distance to death perceptions of older adults explain why they age in place. A theoretical examination. He looked at the theories of um, basically aging. He looked at it and he goes, what is keeping people from downsizing or moving, in his words, right? And he says, if people think that they only have a few years left to live, they don't downsize. Why do you think that is? Not worth the hassle. You nailed it, Martha. What's the point? If I'm only going to live a few more years, then it's really kind of silly to do all this work and to move and to go through the hassle of relocating if I'm just going to die in three years anyway, or one year, or four years, or six years, right? Isn't that, you're shaking your head, but isn't that sad? You're already ready for that, and they think you're moving to a nursing home, right. right, and you're not. So, and and I will tell you guys, this is what I hear sometimes, and sometimes it's what people say, and other times it's what they don't say. We've done a class in this group, the Truth Series, titled The Truth About Living to 100. You guys remember that one? And remember when I asked everybody to raise their hand if they wanted to live to 100, and a lot of people did not raise their hands. The majority did not raise their hands. Matter of fact, some people said, oh, no, I don't want to live to 100. And I said, so stop going to the doctor, stop exercising, stop taking your medication, go ahead and walk smoking and drinking and going out and carousing. Might as well have a little fun if you're going to die soon anyway, right? Yes. Yes. Hey, Jake. Can we ask them to stop doing what they're doing in there with the ice, please? Thank you. So I think that what I'm hearing people say is they have contradictory beliefs, don't they? And you have to examine this for yourself. There, there are people who believe that they may have heard me say that and decided to stop on their own. So they have contradictory beliefs where you, you want to live longer and healthier but you don't think you're going to. And why do most people think they're not going to live longer? They may not have anything to live for, 
that's certainly something, yeah, they've just kind of, they're done, and I'm ready to go, whenever God takes me, that's fine, but there's another reason, too, what do you think it is? Yeah, generationally, their parents died when they were in their 50s, or 60s, or 70s, or 80s, and so therefore, I will, too, is that accurate? No, totally, completely inaccurate, we've blown those to out of the water you guys right your parents and grandparents and my parents and grandparents have the health care we have now they did not have the medications we have now they did not have the knowledge we have now and by the way they lived off of lard right my grandmother the reason my family had heart disease isn't because it was genetic it was because every meal we cooked with crisco and we dipped food in it, and we cooked everything in this big pot of goo that is called clogged arteries, yeah? And all my life I thought, well, God, I'm cursed because I have this heart disease in my family. Do you know I have really good arteries? And I don't eat Crisco. We use it to keep rust off of our grill, not to cook with. You guys get it? So if you think, if in your mind, and I think you have to do your own self-examination here, if you think in your mind, I only have a few years left, I'm, I'm 80, and I hear it a lot. 80 is the magic number, by the way. I'm 80. Take me any day, any day, any day. 81, happy birthday to you. God's going to take me any day. Got to go any day, 83, 84, 85, 86, 87, 94, 95. They're still here looking at their watch going, God's going to take me any day. When are you going to move? Well, there's no point in moving. God's going to take me any day, any day now. I should become a comedian. I got lost. <laughs> right, but we laugh, but isn't that true? How many friends do you have that are doing that? They're sitting in their chair with the remote going, yeah, there's no point in dieting now. God's going to take me any day. So the perception of a few years remaining it impacts every decision we're making. Whether you know it or not, now you know it, and you have to make decisions based on knowing it. Does that make sense? The last one is where they live. Now, that happens to be my department. So we're going to talk a little bit about housing. Where you live and how you live matter. Can people live in their own home and be perfectly healthy and vibrant and active? Say yes. Yes, the current home you're in. Are there people living in the home same way, not active, not vibrant? Yes? Okay, so where you live is important, but how you live, regardless of where you live, is more important. So I want to show you some steps for how to live vibrantly. Based, This is completely based on two statistical research through academic journals and our experience as people in the industry watching people like you every single day who do or don't do certain things. So some of it's research-based and some of it's anecdotal, and I'm just going to combine them because we don't have time to go into all the details of it, okay? So step one, reduce your space. Reduce your space. 
What does that mean? It means going from a house that has too many rooms to a house that has the right number of rooms, and whatever that is for you. It means going from a uh, lot with massive trees and lots to mow and ponds and lakes and pools and things that you no longer need or use that are just taking up energy and space that you need for other things because your priorities are changing. Reduce your footprint, okay? The second thing, or well, let me talk about this. So we talked about your residences, so I'm just going to flip through these because I think we already talked about them. But even if you're going to stay in your current residence, go ahead and remove items that don't serve a purpose anymore. Go ahead and start clearing out the clutter, right? Go ahead and start doing that. Or move to a smaller place, and that then requires you to do it, doesn't it? <laughs> right? It requires you, when you downsize, to get rid of the extra stuff that you no longer need or benefit from. Then there are independent living options like senior communities we just talked about, oops, and CCRCs that we just talked about. But with all of these, what does it say on the bullet points on every single one of them? The first bullet point is what? Get active and either engage or re-engage. If you're going to stay where you are, we used to do a talk gosh, years ago, decades ago, before we started this truth series. It was called um, Downsizing Made Easy. And one of the points that we made was for every friend that you lose, you need to replace them with two more. Now, somebody may pass away. Somebody may move. Somebody may get married, and now they have a partner, and you don't see them as often. There are lots of reasons you might lose a friend, right? And if you lose one, you need to replace them with two more. Otherwise, you end up with how many? Zero, right? And what do we need when we need help? We need people that are in our lives, right? This is why Villages OKC was born. I mean, it's why it was created. Because people, regardless of where they live, need a community of people. And so you have to engage. And for some people, this and others, this is really hard, yeah? I'm going to take a survey. And be honest, for how many of you is it really easy to go out and engage and talk to people, raise your hand, that you don't know, raise your hand, about 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, give or take, 11. Okay, I could talk to a fence post. I mean, you know, this is not a problem. All right, now, how many of the rest, how many of you say, would say it's really hard for you to do by yourself, raise your hand? That should be the rest of you, by the way, in case you're not sure. Now, others of you are pretty good at doing this if you have someone with you, a wingman, if, so to speak, right? Which oftentimes is your spouse. Your spouse is the one who pushes you or makes the social calendar and then gets you there, and then you do okay, right? But it's the getting there part that's hard, yeah? Um, so... Regardless of your relationship status, by the way, reducing your space is easier and more enjoyable and less costly, by the way, when you are healthy and in control of the situation. That's a truth. And I, the people who tell me they're going to wait and they already don't want to pay what I'm charging to help them move, they may as well just double it. Because if you do it healthy, you're doing a lot of it yourself, you're making a lot of your own decisions, and it doesn't take as long. If you're having to have somebody do it and you need a lot of help, it's, it's going to cost more. Just plan on it. What do you charge? 
$5,000 per hour. But that's just because your tuition here is free. All right. All right, so this is step two. Reduce risk. Reduce risk. Even if you're going to stay in your own house, reduce risk. If you have a two-story house and all your bedrooms are upstairs, you need to find a way to make your bedroom downstairs or get an elevator. Because where do you think most falls happen? Nope, not the stairs. (laughs) The bathroom. (laughs) But the second most likely place is the stairs. Yeah. And so stairs are not good for people who have mobility challenges. We know this, right? And so at the very least, reduce risk and then reduce excess clutter. Clutter, I almost combined these two, but I changed it. I separated them. Sometimes clutter is the risk, by the way, right? If you've got too much stuff in your garage and you can't get what you need, and so you get up on a ladder and then you try to balance yourself and you fall off the ladder, is that a risk? Yeah. Going into the attic, is that a risk? Yes. Now, we all... We all do risky behaviors our whole life, yeah? What's the difference between getting up in the attic when you're in your 40s and getting up in the attic when you're 70s or 80s? Well, age, yes. Thank you, Johnny. <laughs> Captain Obvious. What, what's the real difference, though, between your age? What, your mobility, your balance. Yes. You don't bounce as well in your 70s and 80s as you do in your 40s. Right? My little granddaughter fell off the bed when she was just maybe one or two. She rolled off the bed, and you thought my kids were just going to have a come apart because this child rolled off the bed. And I said, she bounces. <laughs> She's little. Her brain is not, her school is not fully formed. She bounces. It was carpet. She's fine. Right? If you fall off the bed when you're 80, you might want to go get an x-ray. Because we're usually not fine. You guys get it? There's a difference. There's a continuum. So removing excess clutter is also about removing risk. It's also about removing emotional baggage. That blue, those blue dishes right there are representative of whatever it is in your house that is taking up emotional space or brain power that you need for other things, like going out and entertaining with other people or doing things health-wise or eating better or cooking more. And instead, ladies, I'm going to pick on you, spending hours dusting that behavior. It's not. I don't care how many hours you do it on a Saturday. You don't get to count it as cardio. Perfect. Get a hair dryer, blow that dust all over everything else, and then go clean your ceiling fans and your boards and everything else, right? It's just, and and I make jokes about it, but we all have it. We all have it, and it takes up time that we could be, and here's my biggest, why don't you, why don't you go to exercise class? Well, I don't have time. You're retired. What are you doing with your time? I'm dusting. I'm vacuuming, I'm cleaning the house. That is not cardio. I don't know who told you it was cardio, but it is not cardio. The more stuff we have to deal with on a daily basis, the less energy we have to be actively engaged and healthy. This is why people who move to the communities like CCRCs, this is why they're gone all the time. They don't have all the crap to deal with that they used to have, and now they go do things that are fun or healthy. 
or both. Here's the definition of stuff. I wanted to give this to you just in case you weren't sure. When I say clear the clutter and the excess stuff, I'm not just talking about things. It is things, but it's also caregiver responsibilities, household chores, home maintenance, home repairs, fears and concerns about all of the above. When you have stuff, can you get rid of all of those? If you're a caregiver, can you get rid of that stuff? No, right? That's going to be there until it's not. And can you get rid of fears or concerns about that stuff? Not until you've dealt with it, right? So this is the fourth step, increase engagement. Increase engagement. So we've reduced waste, we've reduced excess clutter, we've reduced risk. Now we're going to increase a couple of things. We're going to increase engagement. I'm probably preaching to the choir because you guys are here, right? You're the engagers. But how many people do you know who are not, right? And, yeah, and you've tried to drag them here, or you've tried to drag them other places, and they won't go. And so this is, the, this is the, when you get the recording of this seminar today, this is the one you send to those friends, okay? Because those are the people we worry about. They're not engaged, they're not active, they're not doing things. So just for the record, I don't know if you can see in here, but I think there are some people from the audience in these pictures. Raise your hand if you're in one of those pictures. Yeah, Johnny, you're in the, yeah. Are you guys not in that picture? No? Okay. So this is Brad, huh? They were there, but I think they missed the photo. They missed the photo? Okay. Caitlin's in there. All right, this is, uh, Caitlin was in a, which, which particular play was this, Caitlin? Steel Magnolias. Uh, Caitlin is uh, an actress. She's, a <laughs> she's an activity and event person by day and an actress by night. And so she's in the uh, theater. And so a lot of the people that live at Bradford Village went to see the, the show a while back. And then this group up here on the top left is the, uh, the Dragon Boat teams from Spanish Cove who recently medaled. Two of their teams medaled. Um, and so Johnny's on the dragon boat team now, right? Row, row, row your boat, row, row, row your boat. Yeah. Paddle, paddle, paddle. Paddle, that's right, not row. And let me tell you guys, I went out there, Chris and I did for the first time to watch those guys uh, a couple weeks ago, and holy moly, that is a workout. I had no idea how much of a workout it was. So, um, so they're engaging. Oh, yes. Okay, so Martha, yeah. So let me, let me tell them this story. Martha said there were, they had two or three 90-plus-year-olds on their teams. Okay, so we get there, and Chris and I, and we had missed the first race, but we were there for the second one. They were just loading into the boats at the dock. And I get down there, and I'm getting to see the action. And uh, Debbie, who is the uh, Activities of Wellness Director at Spanish Cove, was there kind of cheering them on and getting them in the boats and making sure everybody had what they needed. And it was quite a production. And so she finishes what she's doing. They're getting ready to shove off. And Debbie comes up here where we're all at, Jill and Don Blos and some of them. And she goes, I said, I said, who are they racing? She goes, oh, that's the Healthy Living Center. And let me tell you what they did. They reduced the age limit for the boat. They have 55-year-olds on there. And we have 90-year-olds on our boat, and we're going to kick their butts. I mean, she was, like, committed. 
And I said, you sound like a bunch of sophomores in high school. They raised the age. They have a sophomore on their team, and they're not supposed to have any sophomores <laughs> on their team. <laughs> but it, it was competitive, and, and they did an amazing job. And lots of trash talking. And they won. Of course she won. And I will tell you what was... By 0.6 seconds. Can you believe that? Right? Do you think these guys are competitive at all? <laughs> and, and you know what's interesting? I thought, oh, they have this dragon boat thing. They go out there and they row. First of all, that boat's only this wide. And so you got two rows of people on this little bitty tiny boat sitting next to each other. And they're rowing on one side paddling sorry paddling sorry they're paddling on one side and you got a person in the front of the boat who's playing a drum the cadence right and then a person in the back and what's the person in the back doing the steerer and it's quite a production now we were watching after their race there were some high school kids racing uh two people per boat going and they weren't dragon boats they were something different i forget what they call them rowboats <laughs> <laughs> kayaks I don't know what they are so they're they're cruising down the river down there at the Oklahoma River and they're cruising along there's three boats in a row and this one team these girls they were going and they were two probably two boat lengths ahead and all of a sudden they get to a certain point and they just go bloop <laughs> so the boat just tipped over and I, I kind of had to look and go what, what just happened it's kind of like when you're going along and you hit bottom on a boat in a lake or something and you go there was a the, the water was low and you hit bottom I said that I said there's a high spot in the river because those girls just went bloop but there wasn't a high spot in the river but if you row just slightly off that boat tips over and I understood that the boat had tipped over recently uh, on the Spanish Cove crew but when people retire you guys if they're not retiring to something and they're only retiring from something what happens no sense of purpose, depression, health goes, yeah. So some people are really good at pre-planning for that. Like they know that they're going to go into something. Others, I think there's a misconception, and this is true for men in particular, you know, your whole life, your identity has been tied up in what you do for a living. And then you stop doing that for a living, and the question is, well, what do I do now? Right, And then you add to that, you move to an independent living community or a CCRC, and now you're no longer in charge of the house either. Now you really do have free time, and you have to evaluate what is life going to look like. What's the deal? If you're only going to live two more years, what difference does it make? That's what's going on in your mind, so I'm not saying that's what I'm saying. I'm saying that's a mental chatter, but guess what? 98, 99... 100, there are people living well into 103, 104, 105 regularly now. 116 and 17 is definitely a, a outside the boundaries of the bell curve, right? But there are plenty of people living to 100. So here, so here are a few truths. People who move voluntarily versus by necessity or coercion have a more positive outlook, engage more, create social networks, and remain healthier longer. I did a little research on the centenarians, people who live beyond 100, and did an article 
the major magazines of, the of uh, I think it was 14 centenarians. Of those 14 centenarians, about half of them were still active and engaged and doing things on a daily basis, and they were most of the time living in some sort of a senior community. Not assisted living, not nursing, but independent and active at over 100. Those who wait until they're ready to relocate, usually if they have a health crisis, unfortunately they no longer can live where they want to live. So really what do we have to do? We have to do less of this, right, less of this, the TV watching, and more of things like this, pickleball. Who here's in pickleball? Bill, that's you, right? Pickleball? Is that pickleball? What is that? That is you. I beg to differ, but that's you. <laughs> Who knew? You didn't know you were going to be here. Yeah, all right. You just went the one time, you didn't like it? No? Okay. Then here's the group, right? And there's Bill over there going, I don't like it. I'm not doing this anymore. Here's the uh, dragon. Those are the boats I was talking about. So those are that's one of the teams uh, there on the left, same team there on the right. This group on the right, these guys went, these are World War II veterans, yeah, Jill? And uh, Spanish Cove arranged for uh, seven of them, is that correct? To go fly on this biplane, um, which is amazing. So uh, on the far right there, Mr. Kelly, he's one of our clients that went on this. And so guys, uh, these are the things that are being arranged for people. Now, I don't know about you, but I doubt most of those people would have arranged for that themselves, yeah? <coughs> That's something that kind of has to be almost a group effort to be done and then uh, the the parade on the left just cracks me up like the fourth of july parade that was bradford village wasn't it yeah yeah annual parade and they dress up and it's a party i'm pretty sure there's alcohol involved in that <laughs> I, maybe all right uh, so this you know and for those people who are not going to go out and row down the oklahoma river or get in an airplane there are other things like there's tons of art being done at all these different communities. The Wellness Center does art. There's people doing floral lessons on how to put uh, arrangements together. Um, this is the uh, the outing that uh, they did at the, what's it called, uh, Blue Zoo, right? Is that right? With the birds, yeah? Yeah, and they go in and, and you know, just engaging in something new and different. Like, think like a kid, right? You, you're retired. You get to be like a kid again if you want to be. Or you can keep acting like a grown-up and be boring as all get out as if you were still working for a living, right? And Paul, you're never boring. I'm not worried about you. Yes. All right. So then there's Laura. She's a master gardener, and that was the day of her move. She was planting flowers in her backyard in her patio home. These guys on the right are volunteering. Uh, this is <laughs> Caitlin's groupies on the right with her team on the left uh, now Caitlin the ladies on the left in that picture are those residents at Bradford Village yep and yeah right Wh do you have a show coming up yeah perfect grab that mic Jake real quick I'm going to go to the next one and then I'll have you tell them about them so I want to talk about this and then I'm going to have Caitlin talk about her show so those pictures that I just showed you are basically the difference between vitality and just kind of moving through life. Now, I'm not saying you have to live at a community to do these things. I'm not. You can do them. There are plenty of people who do them on their own. The problem isn't those people. The problem is the people who are not doing them, okay? And it doesn't have to be, you don't, like I said, you don't have to golf. You don't have to do the athletic stuff if you're not athletic. But if you're a bookworm, go to a book club. 
because community is about engaging with people, right? We are designed as, as people who should engage with others. And again, preaching the fire. But this is the analogy I came up with. The, the cruise ship on the left is what Jill is always saying. Spanish Cove's like living on a cruise ship. You have all these options, and there's a hundred things that you can do. You don't have to do any of them. Nobody is going to go wake you up out of your bed and make you get dressed and go to any of these activities. But they are available for you to sign up for and plug into if you want to do them. And then on the right is kind of what most of us do, and that's a bare boat charter. It looks pretty. It sounds peaceful. It sounds like a good idea. But guess what? It's like you're on your own. You got to figure out where to anchor. You got to figure out how to anchor. You got to figure out how to get food when there's no marina. And God, I hope you really know how to sail because that's a sailing cat. And if you don't know how to sail, you're in trouble, right? So you have to know it. Now, Chris and I love to boat. And when we go, we bear boat, right? He loves to be the captain. We went to, uh, whoa, where did we go where we had the captain? When we were in uh, uh, St. John, no. Uh, where we went the last time, St. Martin, and the guy, basically we went on a day trip, and the guy captained the boat, and his son and a crew, they had four crew members total, I think, with the captain and three crew members, they had a chef on the boat, and he wasn't just a cook, he was a chef, and he, oh my gosh, this lunch was like beyond belief, I'm like, why do we do bear boat again, why, right, why, captain took care of everything chris was chris paced the whole time paced because he didn't know what to do with himself because he's used to being in charge of steering the boat right finding the anchorages and all that and i said chris i said are you not enjoying yourself he said oh no this is great he could drink this is the first time i've seen him drink that much on a boat in a long time because he wasn't in charge he got to have a good time and I think what we forget sometimes, including just in boating, I think we forget that while it's great to do that, it's also nice to have somebody else in charge of the ship, yeah? Right? Give somebody else the right? And then increase your healthy habits, you guys. Absolutely. We've got to increase our healthy habits, whether it's food or whether it's exercise. Now, every single community out there, not just the people sponsoring here, every community out there has some sort of exercise program. Some are more robust than others. Some are more, uh, what I would call, educated than others. Like they have people who are trained on staff to do it. Others are just people there to make sure you're pedaling, right? That kind of thing. So it depends on what you need and want. But the other thing is, is that what I've noticed, and this is so true, I'll go to people's homes, meet with them, and what happens is because making meals is such a pain and we're so tired of it and we're so bored of it, we do instead. We order out, we eat fast food, or we snack. Thank you. We snack. My grandfather, lived off of orange slices and popcorn and when I say orange slices I'm not talking about the fruit <laughs> talking about the sugar-coated orange slices. and when I said Papa what are you having for dinner and he said oh I've got some food here I said that is not food that will not sustain you so what happens and just to fast forward what happens when people get to that point with those habits when they're not eating healthy here's what happens number one they gain weight yes Number two, they get dehydrated, 
right? They get all out of whack, and they sit around because they're not exercising, and they get what? Besides fat, UTIs. People end up with urinary tract infections, or they end up with some other sort of, you name it, and then they end up in the hospital, and then they get out of the hospital, and now they have to rehab. You guys get it? It's a spiraling down effect when we don't pay attention to these things. And a lot of us go in cycles. I don't know about y'all, but I don't eat healthy all the time. But what I notice is after I haven't eaten healthy for a while, I start to feel crappy. And so I change my habits, right? But sometimes we don't notice until we're too far gone, and that's when the problem occurs. So, Caitlin, tell us about the uh, stand-up. Tell Caitlin's with Bradford Village, but Caitlin is an actress by night. So what event do you guys have in coming up? <laughs> um, my favorite lady, it was a, a Broadway mashup. We had the Lion King, we had um, Mr. Charlemagne from Chicago. So we are actually starting our new production. Um, this one is, um, we haven't titled it yet, but Memories. It's about older people living in a, a retirement community who are remembering <laughs> their lives. And then so Memories are these big song and dance numbers. Mm -hmm. um, Yeah. Yeah. Right. So where will you have it? Yeah. Right. Right. For me to fall off of, that'd be good. Right. Right. Awesome. I love it. Awesome. Very good. I love it. Okay, so there's plenty to do. And, you know, I know that Caitlin spends more hours than she... So here's the thing I know. When staff members, like the ones we have here, love what they do for their job, they work on it as part of their life. I know that you spend more hours than you get paid to do this. Yes, right. Just a little. Yeah, uh-huh. All right, so I'm going to wrap up, and then we're going to just do some comments. So this is the slide I showed you earlier. And by the way, I picked that picture for that slide before I realized that the first word was who. <laughs> and I went, who? And I went, oh my gosh, isn't that a funny coincidence? So I underlined who. What keeps us from doing these things that I just named? All those steps. These are the things that keep us from doing it. And only you know which one or ones of those bullet points pertain to you because they're not universal you don't all have the same issue some of you are probably doing it perfectly but if you're not ask yourself which one of those things do I need to change and sometimes the who is also aware because when you move someplace or live someplace where other people are active and doing things like the shows and the paddle boarding and the sorry the dragon boating and the rowing and the you know, when they're doing these things, 
I know, you know, at Concordia, a lot of times they volunteer a lot and they do a lot of service projects. And so people who are, who gain purpose from that, that's the kind of thing to plug into. Um, all the communities do all of those things. Some of them, depending on who lives there, that's the, that, who lives there is going to drive what they do. Does that make sense? Whoever lives there is going to drive what they do. And so keep that in mind. That's why there's so many different communities that are so different. This is that article. If anybody wants a copy of this article, the journal that I was mentioning, if you're a geek like me and you like to read this stuff, if you'll put this on your eval that you want the article, just write it at the top, write article, and I'll have Naomi email it to you if you'd like a copy of it. It's several pages, so I didn't bring it today. But here's the last thing before we before we open it up for just comments, because I don't think there'll be questions today, but I think there'll be plenty of comments. And this goes back to how we operate. We are programmed, we are pre-programmed. We are born pretty much a blank slate with some DNA, but at the end of the day, we have learned and developed beliefs and values and made decisions based on our experience, yes? Right? And what we've seen and what we've observed and what we've done or not done. And that programming influences our thoughts. And our thoughts are what generate our feelings about things. And then our feelings determine what actions we're going to take or not take. And then the results that we get either validate or invalidate if we got the outcome that we were looking for. So let me give you an example about housing, just because that's my territory, right? So programming. Only old people live in senior living communities. That's my programming based on my experience. I'm not saying it's mine. I'm giving a hypothetical. So if that's your programming, then your thought is... I'm too young to move to a retirement community. And then if your thought is I'm too young to move to a retirement com community, your feelings about retirement communities are positive or negative? Negative. So your action will be to either avoid them or put them off until you are old enough or in condition enough that you have to move there, have to move there. Because that's what happened in your programming, right? So then you wait, and your results become this. Now I'm old, and I'm frail, and now I'm moving into a nursing. Validation. See, that's how it works. Okay, now let's look at the opposite. If you're programming, if you change your programming, if you were to, if you were to allow yourself to think differently and say... Anybody can move to a retirement community at any age because it's about mindset. So my thoughts are, I might check these places out and see if I might like them. And then your feelings, when you get there, if you're positive or anticipatory, will be, this might be fun or interesting or helpful or useful or whatever. And then your actions will be, I think I'll get on a list and try it out and go do some things with these people. And then your results will be, hey, this isn't so bad after all. I might go ahead and move here. And then you move there and you go, huh, see, I was right. 
anybody can move to a senior community at any age. Do you see how the cycle works? So where does it start? With programming. You've got to acknowledge, and this isn't just about housing. This is about health. This is about relationships. This is about everything. It all starts with what we're programmed. And I'll tell you, my dad, I love him to death. And he never, ever, ever would have meant any harm by it because he's a very positive person. But I've had to reprogram a lot of my thinking because it's not, it's not accurate. It's not helpful for me. Does that make sense? Right? And by the way, we're all programmed. We all are programmed from the time we are born to the time we die. We are programming. And we're programming others and not even realizing it. Right? Those 19-year-olds sitting in my classroom, they're very, very, very scarily <laughs> influenceable, right? They're, they're just, and so anything that we pick up, and if it's inaccurate and no longer serves us, we should have the wherewithal to set it aside and go, I don't believe that anymore. But do we? If we did, we wouldn't have prejudice and discrimination. If we did, we wouldn't have a lot of problems that we have. But what we do is we keep it and we go, this must be true. And we don't change it. So if you're thinking to yourself and you're in your whatever years, doesn't matter to me, if you're retired, you've got to rethink your programming around what retirement looks like, right? You've got to reprogram whatever it was you were told and ask yourself, is it really serving me or do I need to change it? So um, in closing, let me just congratulate a couple people. The Claire's we congratulated last month for graduating. The Frazies, I don't have their picture up here, but they graduated from the Downsizers Club after moving. Um, and who do we have right now? We have the Silers who are getting ready to move, right? You guys will be graduating. A couple of months be graduating. And do I have anybody else? Alan, you're making a move, aren't you? Yep. Right? How many years have you been thinking about it, Alan? Uh, two and a half to three. Two and a half to three. Yeah, that's about right. So, by the way, don't think that you're going to say, hey, I'm going to move tomorrow. Nobody's asking you to do that. But we are asking that you at least do your homework, right? So, uh, comments, thoughts, questions. Um, tell me what you thought from today. Tell me what your takeaways were from today. And I'd like Jake to give you a mic when you do it. So, let me run a mic back here. Yep. I know, it sounds funny, but I want the people from home to be able to hear you because we have about 40 people listening on Zoom, so. Uh, just a comment on the food aspect yeah. of living in some of these different places. In, in Edmond, there is a gentleman who's formed his own company, and he has formed his own company, and he works with several different types of, of uh, communities, and you sign up to get a certain amount of food from him. They're, they're plated things, you just microwave them, and they're much better than the average sure. frozen dinner that you get yeah. at the place. But he, we have a, a system, you go, you choose your your items, and you yep. make, you check that off on a list, and, they're and they deliver them to you, and they're home cooked. They're home cooked, right, and they're great. Wonderful. Right, make sure that you put on the eval uh, that resource so that we can provide it to people in the follow-up, well, uh, if you have it. I, I don't have the name. That's okay. I'll, I'll get it to you. So let me point something out to you, um, Jake. Thank you. So the thing, the thing about that, so food provided to you, I think that's amazing. If food is your issue, I had one lady that called me one time and she said, Nikki, I need to move. Should I move into a community? I said, okay. When I met with her, I said, why are you moving? Like, tell me what's going on. And she said, I'm tired of eating alone. 
She said, I'm tired of eating alone. I'm lonely. I want to eat with other people. And that was her reason for moving. She didn't have to move, right? So sometimes it's the food and sometimes it's the company. Food tastes better when you're with good company, right? Yeah, I've had some really crappy meals sometimes and it was not the chef's fault. All right, good. What else? Hang on. I know. Yeah. I just have a comment about the wording of how we look at things. Yeah. We have a lovely older daughter. At the beginning of the pandemic, things were in shortage and stuff. And so she posted about this couple that had a need. And she described them as an elderly couple. Mm -hmm. Uh oh. The more I read about it, she was talking about me and John. Oh and my I, gosh. And, and it's the <clears throat> conception yeah. of what elderly in my mind was and her wording was. And it was totally, you know, different. Now, she has adjusted that thought because of the process that sure. Johnny and I are going through. But it is, it is that concept. And she's in her 40s. And so 30s and 40 year olds are Right, their perceptions are different. Are right. And so <laughs> but anyway, that was just yeah. a comment. It was real. The wording. The wording matters. You know, the first time I recognized it, because you know I've been doing this for a long time, and so I've known that, right? Like I'm very conscientious about it. But I went to I went with my dad to a, a doctor's appointment that he needed me to take him to because he was not well. And so normally I wouldn't do that, but he asked me to go. And the physician said to him or to us, um, "This is the prescription that I'm going to." Gonna write because it's uh, it's indicated for elderly, yeah. and I looked at my dad and I looked at her and I said, he's not elderly. And she goes, well, according to yeah. medical pharmaceutical research, he is elderly. Sixty-five and older is elderly. And I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. That, but that's the so we're, we've got that term ingrained in so many of our society's things that. Elderly, the perception of elderly is different for everybody. Yeah, thank you for that. Yeah, anybody else want to comment or just an aha something? Betty's back here. Jake, they're going to keep you running, right? So this time, somebody on this side should be the one that comments, right? Yeah, Betty. Hi. Um, I just had hand surgery on Monday on both hands. Oh, my. And Lori. So Jake, hold that mic for her. <laughs> I stayed home on Tuesday. And yesterday, my daughter ordered me a blood pressure cuff, and they called and fussed at me because I didn't let her know I picked it up. Oh. Well, I said I was busy having Chinese food, and I came around to you later. And my point is, I also text her and said, to let you know that I'm okay, uh, I went to the chiropractor, I went to Walmart, I went to the wellness center, and then I went and picked up my Chinese food. Now I'm home, so if you want to give me a call, and just to let them know, and I'm 73, right? You know, yeah. And so I let them know that these little things don't necessarily keep us down. That's right. You know, yeah. And then she finally said, "Well, Mom, I'm just glad you checked in." Right. <laughs> yeah. And so, okay. So, in all fairness, and Caitlin, you want the mic? Uh, in all fairness, guys, we have to educate, right? You have to educate because especially if they don't live near you, that's the other thing. If they don't live near you, then all they're focused on is what they think they know. 
And if we're not educating them on the reality of it, uh, I read one of the articles on that article that I was telling you about with the centenarians. One of the persons was 100, and I can't remember if it was, I think it was female. She was 100, and her son owned a business, and she went to work every day in her son's business. And the comment in the article was that, and I'm treated just like everybody else. I have accountability. I'm on staff here, and I, I provide them with feedback as an employee, and he treats me like an employee. Now, that's an interesting dynamic, right? Right. So if she's 100, how old do you think he might be? It could be 80 or 70, right? Yeah, so, and so I think it's interesting. So it's not about age. This is not about a chronological thing. This is about a circumstance, and this is about how we live. Uh, Mike, uh, Mike, Caitlin, you have the mic? <laughs> yeah, Nikki, I was just thinking, like, when you were talking about getting involved in different, yeah. different types of events, um, there was this great study. Um, there's a psychologist, Jean Cohen, who did this, huge creative, creativity and aging study. And they had a bunch of 80 year old, average 80 year olds enrolled in a, um, different creative projects. They joined theater groups, they joined choirs, they joined painting classes. And I thought was interesting was not only did people have better report of you know better mood and, and better mental health, but they also had better physical health outcomes. Their heart health was better, they reduced taking pain medications, so doing things like the show or the pickleball club or the, the dragon boat, like those things are actually good for your physical health as well. And that's why these things are so important as you get older and as you continue to age. So it just, that study yeah. was sticking out to me when you were talking about staying yeah. so involved. I love it. And so let's say too, for instance, let's say you're not able to do the rowing. I got it right this time. Gosh, darn it, it's paddling. Paddle, I'm gonna write it down, maybe I'll write it. <laughs> <laughs> so if you can't do it because physically for whatever reason you can't do it or you don't enjoy it it doesn't mean you can't be one of the cheerleaders or one of the uh, prop builders or one of the script helpers or one of the anything so that's just it it's not about doing the activity necessarily it's about being engaged in it does that make sense do you guys ever go to your kids athletic events or grandkids or nieces or nephews yeah um, I love going, but I don't. I can't play anymore, right? I, I just can't do it. It's physically not in my best interest to do it currently, and I get energized by just going and watching them do it, right, and cheering them on. And so there's something about being a part of that. Yeah. All right. One last comment, and then we're good. Um, anybody else? Yes, Paul. Yeah. What? Well, hang on, Paul. I'm all right. Uh, I just one of. Uh, Nikki's has helped one of our organizations, and it's called Retired Senior Volunteer Program. And if you're not aware of it, there is probably between, used to be larger, but there's probably between 90 and 100 different organizations that you can go and volunteer at. Uh, there's no charge on it. They're on Northeast 23rd Street. Midwest City. Midwest City. Yep. But they're real helpful, and they have now broken down the, there's a southeast, you know, southwest, mm -hmm. northeast, northeast section if you want to just volunteer uh, in that area. Uh, I hope you'll look into it. Now, I volunteer at the airport uh, each Tuesday, love it. 
I went up there when I was 62 and I'm 74, and I have fun doing it. We have put up a screen all the way around me, so I feel uh, when they were going to put up a two by three, I said, no, I'm not coming <laughs> because of COVID. But yeah. anyway, we put up a screen. Uh, we have between 55 and 60 volunteers because it's a four-hour shift, and we do it from 10 to 2, 2 to 6, and 6 to 10, seven days a week. So uh, if you multiply five <coughs> times seven, there's 35 shifts. And then we have people that come out if somebody goes on vacation or got to do something else. Substitute. We have filling people. So thank you. I would hopefully you look into that. I'm going to mention one other thing. Quickly. Okay. Quickly. Okay. Go. Go. We love going to uh, our Oklahoma City University, and I'm going to say UCL too. And uh, uh, Friday, Friday night, Saturday afternoon, Monday night, and Tuesday night, four out of five days, we were at OCU volleyball. Really? We love it. Do you have a kid that plays? No. Family no member? They just go because you have fun. They're, they're our family. They're your family. See. Yeah. Put up in yourself. Yeah. There's softball, baseball, all kinds of things. So, thank Paul, you. you know, you guys are amazing. Retired Senior Volunteer Program, thank you for reminding me of that. Is, is, uh, they basically will do an interview with you to find out what you like and what you're interested in, and then they will match you up with the volunteer agency or organization that best works for you. And if you want to be like Paul, all you have to do is wear crazy socks. I promise you, that will make you happier. I got some. Yeah. I, I got know. Some for you That's all. Okay, so last thing, the gift. Um, for those of you who are, please, 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 if you are going to stay put, and this is for everybody, but I'm specifically talking to you right now if you're saying, I'm going to live in my home and I'm going to stick it out. I'm going to encourage you, based on what uh, Martha said about our kids and the fact that they just don't know what they don't know, the gift is the way to start that conversation and educate them so that they do know what you have because they don't know that you have your shit in order. They do not. Betty, they do not know unless we tell them that you have your ducks in a row, right? And this binder, when you hand it to them and you go, here you go, honey, read this. This is for you. If I ever need you to take care of my affairs, which, by the way, right now I don't, it's available for you to reference, right? Does that make sense? And if you can put their mind at ease that you've done the work, because let me tell you something. Here's, I'm going to just give you a little secret. As you walk out the door today, I want you to think about this. They're at work. They're at their kids' events. They're at all these things. And you know what they're hearing from their friend? They're hearing from their friend who's having to take care of their elderly 73-year-old parent that's what I'm saying. They're elderly, 73-year-old parent, And they're telling them all the problems they're having. And then your kids come home and generalize that to you. Okay? So this isn't necessarily about you. This is about what they're hearing. And so naturally, they're going to be concerned. So that's why we got to educate them and get ahead of the ball. Let them know what you're doing or not doing so that they know what they need to do or not do. Give yourselves a hand for being here and being engaged. And I will see you guys next month as we talk about uh, health care options and in-home. And we'll see you guys be safe and uh, go do something fun. <laughs>